Hey everyone, welcome to the Health Focus Podcast. My name's Robbie and my guest today is going to be Adam Ward. Adam Ward is a good colleague and friend of mine who works in the Irish Strength Institute in Malahide Marina. Today's topics are going to be on blood sugar management, understanding blood sugar management for our health, and he's also going to talk about his flotation therapy that he has in Malahide Marina and what exactly that is. I'm sure someone out there has a friend, a family member that has blood sugar issues, so this may be a good podcast to share on to them and they can help them on their health journey. Adam, just if you want, you can give us an introduction about yourself, what you do, and um, share a bit about yourself to the listeners. Not too much now. Okay, keep it sweet. So I started with the OSI in 2013. Prior to that, I worked in the airport for six years, um, actually for five years, and then I continued working in the airport until I kind of built up a bit of a reputation um, doing what we do now. Prior to that, I wanted to be a guard. I did the Guard Reserve training. I got placed in Mount Joy Guard Station and then didn't stick to that for too long. Growing up, I was skinny, didn't have any weight on me, was never into any single sport, always tried sports, but never stuck with them. Until around 2004, I found jiu-jitsu and MMA, and I did that for a good while, and then stopped it for a decade, and then never did anything, and was still skinny, and then obviously when I started doing this, I knew it was gonna be something that I loved, wanted to put on some size, so I started around 68 kilos, and I'm roughly walking around on average around 86 to 88 kilos now, and just feel bigger, happier, more confident, and that's what I want people to feel. So when you, you mentioned working in the airport there and I'm working in the guards, how did you end up actually working in the fitness industry? Did you, did you always lift weights when you were younger, younger or did you enjoy you know, nutrition and health and training? But like, where'd you get into it? I used to go to the gym in uh, Total Fitness days and oh, I was would- in, not Blanchestown. I, would, I went to the one in Clare Hall, Clare Hall and I did a couple of curls and a couple of presses and what you did and then went down and did the L. Sun's out, guns out. Yeah, and then went down and did the sauna and whatnot and tried to look cool and probably did that two, three times a week and got nowhere, got no results from it. But it's not really a surprise because I'd leave and I'd straight away binge because I thought, well, I've done a workout, I deserve to eat crap. Um, other than that, not really. How I got into the fitness industry? Well, being in the OSI, my brother just happens to be one of the directors and grew up with Owen, so I've known Owen and John and Stephen, obviously for all my life, but I've known Owen and John since I was 13, 14 years old, and long, long time ago when they were in their first location, I tried to go and do the strongman training when I was about 55 kilos <laughs> dripping wet, and got sick every single time, and never got any better at it, and then eventually started training with the lads properly, started putting on some size, might have put on about seven kilos, and I remember thinking, I worked in the airport at the time, and I remember thinking, I'm gonna to go to another strongman session and I'm gonna fucking smoke it. So what's strongman for anyone that's listening that so, hasn't done the, the notorious Artane strongman session before? So uh, technically called modified strongman. Yeah. So it revolves around log pressing, super yokes, battling ropes, prowlers, sleds, harnesses, um, and a lot of shouting and a lot of gritting your teeth. And I, I always thought like, I'm never gonna get good at this. Then when I start getting stronger and start feeling better in the gym, I thought I'm gonna go back to strongman and fucking smoke it. And I brought two of my friends from the airport and Owen used me as an example to teach the first, the, the exercise for yeah. everyone. And I puked before the warm up was done. So I uh, didn't get any better at strongman, but did love lifting weights, did love the idea of, of the, I loved doms, you know, I loved feeling myself growing. I loved the pump. The progress. The progress, yeah, exactly. Like, and the progress was slow, don't get me wrong. Like, I went from 68 kilos to 71 kilos, stagnated for such a long time, went to 75 kilos, stagnated. 
went to 77 kilos on a good day, back to 75 kilos, and then 79, and then 80, and then 82, and then eventually 88, and maintaining that now. Uh, yeah, know? been there, done that, and when we see clients, and you know, you've got the same experience as myself in, in this situation, but clients expect progress to be linear. They expect, yeah. if they're trying to lose weight, the weight continuously drops on the scales, or they're trying to build muscle, they continuously increase, but it's, they're usually not mm, the case. No. So usually there is plateaus, then we need to figure out, okay, how can we break this plateau through nutrition, training, stress, or what other lifestyle factors we mm -hmm. need to include. Yeah, so from the, from the clients that you would see, in your experience, what would be some sort of plateaus or issues you would see with clients, let's say for health rather than aesthetics, or what, what even is your client base that you would see, population? Well, firstly, the, the majority of the clients I deal with are general pop. Um, I do have a nice diverse uh, amount of clients. Obviously, when I first started off, everyone I dealt with was nearly for fat loss. And I'm a firm believer that is get something at one thing before you try and be something better at another thing. So, yeah. for instance, I wanted to be able to know I can get results fat so loss wise before. Yeah, at fat area. loss before I think right. Let's start dealing with hypertrophy guys, or let's start dealing with athletes. So you know, I wanted to put all my eggs in one basket at the start and get good at it, and then start thinking right. Okay, now let's start implementing what worked on me into trying to get some mass on some guys or some girls um, and try and get some results from that. And then when I started doing that, I eventually took on a, a fighter and then a second fighter and so on. But ultimately, 90% of my clients are general pop, uh, general pop looking for fat loss predominantly, couple of guys looking to put on size and one or two athletes and that's it. Gotcha. And when it comes to general pop, because a lot of the listeners right now are gonna be people that are members in gyms themselves, they're training moderately well and they're eating decent enough food and they might be even clients of ourselves or other other trainers that we know out there what would be one of the a factor that you feel is um, not considered very much so when you're coaching your clients it, like is it calorie control would it be sleep stress good or any other factors there that you need think might be overlooked loads yeah Starting with, we, and I've been on a couple of um, corporate talks lately, and the first thing I've started with, which is something that I picked up off own, and it's a number thing, and numbers always stay in my head, as you would know. So when, when I'm talking to these guys, that I'm asking them, right, you're training five times a week, is that enough? And again, these percentages I've gotten off own, or these numbers I've gotten off own, so I'm stealing this. But five days a week is a lot. That five days a week is a lot. Point. And to me, it's, a, it's loads. And when I do these in talks, I'm probably seeing one or two hands. I'm seeing more hands around the two to three mark, but five times a week is 2.9% of your week. So, and I'm dealing with corporates and I always try and relate things back to numbers. If they're number people, if they're businessmen, relating it back to business opportunities. So if you put 2.9% into a project in your office, you are getting no returns yeah. and you're probably getting fired. You know, so when you think that you're doing enough because you're training hard as hell, but you're not eating well, you're not drinking enough water, you're not, you're, you're smashing. I have clients that are drinking nine to 12 coffees and oh, but I still feel tired all the time. Well then coffee is not for you, you yeah. know? So when you're doing all of these other things, and I don't sleep by the way, I'm tired all the time, I'm not a morning person. And again, another thing that I picked up off own, if you're not a morning person, are you a bat? Can you yeah, see in the dark? We're not nocturnal no. creatures, are we? Exactly. So we can't see in the dark, yeah. You know, so you're not a morning person because you're programmed that way. So we gotta reprogram that. So what am I seeing with the average person is they're looking at too many celebrities, they're looking at too many fitness gurus, that their job is to breed and eat and train, and that is it. You know, whereas these guys have 40 to 50 hours of a stressful job sitting on their ass, which is not exercise. And, and what we think about exercise as well, it's another physical stress. Yeah, completely. So yeah. we can only train as frequently as we can recover from. Exactly. And training is essentially a stimulus. Yeah. So. And with, with these guys, 50 hours a week, that's 50 hours on the job. We're not taking the time to and from. So we're looking at close to 70 hours a week they're spending in their workplace. 
That's not a lot of spare time. I'm laughing as well because sometimes we'd be in the gym and we'd be sitting or standing beside the coffee machine and we're waiting for our next client and we see our client walking and they're just kicking their heels through the yeah. door. And what I know I'd be thinking when I see that, but from your experience, what are you thinking when your clients dragging themselves in the door? I'm thinking I can't cane them. I'm thinking the workout now is not going to be as stressful as it but probably why? could have been. Well, I could. Just for the listeners out so, there. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I could, right? So, you know, just because you're out of breath leaving the gym, that's a great workout, isn't it? Well, a lot of people think that. So I'm not going to use any examples, but one of our locations has a gym in the vicinity. And the gym is, don't get me wrong, the gym is busy and I'm delighted. I'm delighted to see any gym is busy. I don't, I don't think any gym is, um, what would I say, competition because there's it's enough fun. business out there for yeah. everyone. So I don't look at any gym, but these gyms are busy. But these gyms are also known for interval training and that's completely fine. And unfortunately, what people believe a good workout is out of breath and sweating. Workout. Yeah, so I'm out of breath, I'm sweating, that's a solid workout. And then because they worked hard, which of no doubt they did work hard, because they've worked hard, they think they treat they're, they're, deserve a treat. And if I'm talking about the average client in the city center, let's say, a treat to them is on the way back to the office after their early morning start, a great start to the day, let's smoke a cappuccino and a, a croissant or a scone. It's not that bad, is it? It's only a small scone. You know, seven days a week, you know, like <laughs> know, five right, days a week, like you know, years, and we're going to go into blood sugar talking in the later part of this talk, you know, but we, we learn what that can do to the start of your day. And we've all heard breakfast is the best meal of the day. Well, you well, know, no, exactly. So we, we can, you know, let's lay on to that right now, then. So, you see, for most people, for breakfast, they'll typically have cereal or, or porridge because they claim it's a little bit healthier. But is there any particular foods that you recommend for breakfast or you recommend avoiding? certain food groups well you, you mentioned their porridge is healthier you have to ask yourself is like is a mercedes a nice car is it a nice car in relative to, to what, what? Yeah, exactly yeah, right exactly. so is it a nice car to a ford car of course it is is it a nice car lined up beside an r32 um what's the car i have no idea which one you're talking a nissan r32 okay yeah. no it's not do you know what i mean so it's all relative so is porridge a better breakfast on cocoa pops for sure is porridge better breakfast on avocado and two poached eggs? I don't think so. Breakfast, well, depends you on know, your goals as well. Nuts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, regardless of your goal, your your I think the start of your day will dictate how energetic your day will be, regardless of your goals. So if my goal is high periods for your fat loss, and I start the day with something that gives me a massive high, a high is followed by a, high a low. For what? Exactly. A high in blood sugar. So we're okay. tracking blood sugars, and our blood sugar is at four point four in the morning, and then we have something like. A cappuccino which again with milk in it and let's say even a flavored cappuccino if we're going to go there and then we have our jam and our scone all of that is screaming carbohydrates and again good or bad let's not go there regardless of it all it's still like, it's it's glucose right so we take in that amount of glucose first thing in the morning of course our blood sugars are going to go up it's a, it's a no-brainer but what i always say is what goes up must come down okay. right so i use the diving board analogy so let's say our blood sugars go from 4.2 up to 5.2 Still not that dangerous, it's still within range, that's fine. But eventually they come back down. They don't come back down to resting. They unfortunately they plummet. And this is where we get 11 o'clock cravings or 11 o'clock slumps where we're just thinking, oh my God, when is lunch coming? Today's a longer day already than I anticipated. You have a little small fix then, then lunch comes. Let's say you do start the day with something like a scone and jam and a, a cappuccino. And then come lunchtime, you think you're gonna stick to a chicken salad. That chicken salad no longer satisfied you in the same way breakfast satisfied you. Well, your so taste, that's where your, your, your taste palette is a little bit different as well. Exactly. So you're, you're, you're nearly wanting more sugary foods. Whereas if you actually start the day maybe on a low carbohydrate breakfast and then go on and have that salad, that salad actually might satisfy you. Well, depending on the breakfast, know? if it is high fat or high protein, it's probably more satiating as well. You're yeah. More the thing is, people relate that differently. Like, you know, so some people want that instantly, or as you said, there, something like avocado nuts or eggs and nuts or something like that. It will satisfy you, but it'll be a little bit longer. 
Yeah. Do you know? So, so let's take a step back. You're mentioning different blood sugar ranges and you know blood sugar going up and what, what goes up must come down. But let's talk about the actual significance. So some of the listeners out there, some are going to be trainers, obviously listening, but some are going to be clients that thought, okay, do, do we need to track blood glucose? Mm-hmm. Or is that not just for diabetics? What's the significance for not, let's not even talk about bo- uh, body comp. Right. Just let, let's talk about health. the significance of blood glucose monitoring right. for health. What do we need to know? What is blood glucose essentially? Right. Well, my personal opinion is, is do you need to track blood sugar? Not if you know they're in, out of whack massively. So if you know you're binging first thing in the morning by having, I don't know, two or three scones or bowls of cereal or honey all over your, your porridge, do you really need to know your sugars are going up? Of course they're going up. It's not a question. They are going up categorically. And what's the, so, the significance there? Is well, if your blood sugars are going up, does they, and most people know this in relative if they've got diabetics in the family, but they'll definitely typically hear it probably even in the movie. If your blood sugars are going up drastically, there's a hormone that's called insulin that's used to store the sugar, right? And the way I try and explain it to somebody is if I'm at 4.2, like I mentioned earlier, and I go up to 6, right? That's like having a load of cash in my pocket, right? When I've got cash in my pocket, I don't really need to go to the bank anymore to get cash because yeah. I've got it there. So therefore, my body has to try and one, spend the cash or two, store the cash, right? So I have to make an allotment. So we can spend it as energy, essentially? Spend it as energy, or we can be storing it as excess energy, right? So we can be storing it as excess stored. energy in glycogen, in our liver glycogen, or typically in adipose tissue, so, as fat tissue. So you mentioned glycogen. Glycogen, glycogen stored is stored glucose. glucose within the cell, so, so within, within a muscle. Muscle or yeah, liver. A muscle or liver, yeah. And that's there for workouts, cardio, or um, resistance training, etc. But if you if, if first thing in the morning you haven't trained or anything like that and you're you're consuming carbohydrates and you haven't trained in four or five days you probably don't have any space left in terms of your glycogen stores if and i've done a little rabbit ears there <laughs> um, quotation i laser forgot that we're not theme. being uh, <laughs> we're not being uh, video recorded here but you have no space and then your body then starts thinking right what do i do with this so it's constantly trying to make a lodgment but you don't make a lodgment and a withdrawal at the same time it's bloody pointless so you, you have that cash why would you need to take out more cash you've got excess cash so if you're consuming glucose first thing every single morning, workout or no workout, let's not talk about that, you're, you're, you have cash to start the day with. And you're trying to store it, as in lodge it, or you're trying to use it. But that all depends on your job. But if your job is sitting down, you're not using that. If your job is, right, maybe you're a delivery driver for Cyclone and you're cycling all around the city, maybe you're spending better than the average you're person. You're spending a little bit better. Exactly, but if you're not, and if you're eating that and then sitting down at your desk, and for four hours you're not doing anything bad and your brain uses glucose and that's something different but ultimately if you're just sitting there and let's call it couch potato you're sitting there in your slouch position and you're working away your body isn't spending as much glucose as you might think and what's the consequence of that? consequence is that it's getting stored and granted if we're doing regular workouts it's probably getting stored in a, in a good location aka the bank account but otherwise it's getting stored in a, in a location that we don't want to put it so are you saying your health could potentially deteriorate because of excessively high blood glucose levels? Well, let's just put it this way. I think we have chronically elevated glucose levels where eventually going to be growing more adipose tissue, which is fat tissue, right? And more fat tissue overall is small amounts of inflammation of every fat tissue. The more fat you have is inherently inflammatory. Exactly. So if we're going from 11% to 12% to 13%, we're increasing inflammation. And we've already got inflammation from other factors that we won't talk about because it's it's probably our next, if we want to do another... um, webinar or, or anything which like will, that, yeah. which we will. Inflammation is a talk on its own, you know that. Yeah, of course. Um, but that's one thing. And then also, when we're do- if, if and when, and some of your talks eventually will go into hormones, we'll hear how fat tissue actually releases a hormone that can play around with your sex hormones, or release yeah, an enzyme, course, sorry, yeah. that plays around with your sex hormones. So that's another thing, which means more fat tissue means more enzymes, which means more disturbance in our hormones. I'm not so gonna say imbalances in our hormones, just a disturbance. Okay, so 
you've given us a lot of information regarding okay foods that increase our blood glucose and the significance of it is there any ways of tracking or numbers that you like to keep your blood glucose within or certain foods you think people should avoid or even let's say certain body fat percentages where your sugar should be right so what I'm gonna use is I'm gonna use an analogy that I try and explain to clients. I sometimes do it at these corporate talks, right? So we've got three macronutrients. We've got proteins, we've got fats, and we've got carbohydrates, right? And for me personally, and this again, what I'm speaking about now is my experiences, what I've read up on. Everyone out there has their own views. This is my view. Yeah, and this is so, your approach. Everyone my approach. approach. And this is what I've had success with. So this is why I'm talking about it. So we've got proteins. We typically don't wanna be using proteins as energy. In my opinion, proteins have multiple other jobs other than energy, right? You've got a job. Your job is to come in here and get your client's results, train your clients. We have a cleaner. If that cleaner doesn't turn up, unfortunately me and you have to go and do that. So yeah. we're protein now being focused on doing the cleaning, not doing what we're, we're good at, if you'd want to say, which is immune function, detoxification, particular hormones, growth and repair of tissue, right? That's one thing. So then we have fats. And for me, fats are the gold standard for energy, right? Okay. They, don't, they don't give us a great burst of energy. You're never going to eat an avocado and go, woo, fucking let's go. You're not, but it will satisfy you in about an hour. So if you're hungry, and, and actually we kind of had the experience that our powerlifting meet where I ate salmon and avocado and I did somehow get this big urge, but I would have been better efficient at metabolizing that and using that as, as a form of energy. But when I consume, or when you consume fat, they don't give you that instant release of energy, but long-term, in about 45 minutes to an hour, they eventually will give you that energy that you need. So they're a little bit slower. Digesting. They're a bit slower and you won't go as high. So like I said, what goes up must come down. Fats aren't gonna raise your glucose. They will raise them. Small amounts, but they won't raise them massively. That's usually what, because you're, when you're having fats, you're generally not having fats by itself. You're having olive oil on your salad. With, or Chicken maybe, or something exactly like that, or some so. fiber. Whereas in carbohydrates, if we look at carbohydrates in, in general, so sorry, fats are what I typically want people to use in energy. We go to carbohydrates, I'm gonna to refer to them as cars, and I like referring to things as cars because a lot of people can relate, right? Cars. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got carbohydrates. To me, carbohydrates are the Ford Fiesta, right? Okay. We've got proteins which is the S-Class Merc. And then we've got a Bugatti Veyron, which is our fats, right? Can you get out of the Ford Fiesta carbs and step into the Bugatti Veyron and straight away know how to drive it? What do you think? No. No, it's, that, that motherfucker's high tech, right? <laughs> yeah. Whereas you could probably step out of the Bugatti and know how to move the Fiesta and get back into the Bugatti. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. You can step down a notch, right? So something like a Bugatti, I've no doubt I got the more, I've never been in one, I've no doubt I got, it's got way more buttons. gadgets, it probably doesn't start the typical way, it probably doesn't even have a bloody key, it's probably your phone for God's sake, but ultimately you can get out and park that fiesta out of your way, so what I mean there is if we start the days using proteins and fats as energy, and fat is our main fuel energy that day, and then at lunchtime we have some carbohydrates, yeah. we can get out of the Bugatti, we can get into the carbohydrate car, the fiesta, park it, ultimately in muscle glycogen into space, liver glycogen into space, use it if, if we need to, and then get back into the Bugatti and continue on with the rest of the day. But if we start the day using the Ford Fiesta, and then we consume a massive amount of fats because we say, do you know what, we want the rest of our day to be fat dependent, our body probably isn't great at going over and saying, I know what to do here. I know what to do with these fats. I'm yeah. gonna use these fats for the right reasons, then I'll get back into Fiesta. It doesn't typically work that way in reverse. You mentioned places you can store the glucose. Mm -hmm. Is there ways to empty it? Well, typically uh, anaerobic training, What's that? Which is basically weightlifting to some degree or interval classes. So um, there's a couple of classes out there like bike, row, ski. One, one great way to empty it on scientific interval class. Uh, typical just weight training. So walking lunges, squats, push-ups, 
chin-ups without getting too complicated so any like you know resistance based exercises essentially exactly and not necessarily resistance in terms you need need to have accommodating resistance you could just be doing walking lunges body weight so if you do enough of them you're going to spend muscle glycogen so if you get the heart better. rate out of a particular zone you're going to be hitting into into what's called muscle glycogen or liver glycogen depending on how hard the workout is okay and the tip the more we spend of that typically the more space we have to replenish that and if we don't replenish that with carbohydrates our body has to replenish it somehow so the body basically says right well hold on a second we're not consuming carbohydrates now and carbohydrates are the fast way to replenish that petrol tank if you want to call it okay but we're not consuming carbohydrates we're on a low calorie a low carb diet this this week what can we do well actually do you know what what is this adipose tissue doing here it serves no function bar insulation being, being fat tissue so let's start breaking down some of this fat tissue to replenish muscle glycogen okay so for yourself we're talking about some of the significance of blood sugar spikes and, and drops and stuff like that would you be a proponent of a low carb diet and some listeners might be saying you know what i've heard this ketogenic diet but it looks a bit dangerous it looks very difficult to do it's too strict what what is your thoughts around that do you think it's dangerous by any chance uh, before i go into ketogenic diet on its own I I'm not, even not, let's not go on ketogenic, lower carb diets are higher Okay, so one thing that was said to me by another mentor of ours, Dr. Eric Serrano, and I say this again at most of my talks, the best diet for you is the one you're currently not on. Okay, so what the right? hell does that mean? Well, I'll tell you, it took me two years to figure out because I was, I was like, <laughs> if I ask him what he means by that, I'm going to sound dumb as hell, so I'm not going to ask him. And eventually, I just had to ask him because I, I got it, but I didn't get it. So basically, is the, is the keto diet the best diet? or the keto, as people were, as people are calling it, or is the carnivore diet the best diet, or is the paleo diet the best diet, or is the vegan or the vegetarian diet the best diet? And the answer is none of them are the best diet because each one of them diet off, offers something that the other one doesn't. So if I'm on a keto diet, I'm getting a huge amount of essential fatty acids, but I'm probably not getting enough of essential amino acids. I'm probably not getting fiber in that. I'm not, I'm, if I'm training four to five times a week, I'm probably not, I'm probably not able to replenish my muscle glycogen to keep performance up. So keto diet, ketogenic diet and high training threshold i don't know how well they cross over for me personally i if i if i don't eat any carbs and i try and train five times that week the latter sessions of the week are starting to have an impact right okay, that's so, me personally i'm not so saying you recommend people, it for your clients would i recommend it for my clients depends everything is dependent on the goal so which is probably a bit irritating for people listening oh give me a straight answer adam well there is no straight answer because there is no straight clients right and what i mean by that is everyone has different goals so would i recommend ketogenic diets for people i don't think it's maintainable I don't think people can stick to it for too long. If you are doing a ketogenic diet and you're training three times a week, post-workout, you're out of ketosis. If you're doing anaerobic training. Yeah. Your liver glycogen and your muscle glycogen, sorry, not your muscle glycogen, your liver glycogen is now getting released into the bloodstream to go to where it needs to you go to to be used as energy. Really, really interesting there about how when you work out, you can knock yourself out of ketogenic diet. There is a nutritionist by the name of uh, Alessandro Freddi. We yeah. actually had him speak at our, at our ISI symposium a couple of years back. You can find the videos on our, um, our, our, our website. website. But he talks about cyclic ketogenic diets and how you can come and go out of ketogenic ketosis. And there's actually some benefit to that as well. Mm -hmm. Well, for me personally, like, do I, do I, am I an advocate of a high-fat diet? Me personally, yes. Why? Because I found it worse for me. I found it, you know, I, I wouldn't be the, the old generation of eating six times a day every three hours, I wouldn't be a fan of that. And I find when you eat the right amount of fat in your diet and the right amount of protein in your diet, you don't need, I don't think people should need the snack. I'm okay with people snacking, but I don't think you should need them. If you need them, we're looking at blood sugar issues. Yeah, I always say to my clients, you know, I don't know if you know this, but we're not cows. 
yeah. shouldn't be grazing all day. Well, like if you want to go back, and I don't want to sound like what you've heard, people have heard from many people, you go back to whatever it is, the Paleolithic times, if that's what you want to call times, it. Whatever. You, you didn't eat six times a day, you eat when you cut. And you weren't always guaranteed to catch food. Yeah, we didn't graze. You no, know, exactly. So, like, food wasn't always available. You know, there wasn't a weed of tree. Yeah? <laughs> Do you know? So, these are things that I try and keep into consideration. Do I snack? Do I eat the odd bowl of Cocoa Pops? Damn right I do. Do I do it all that often? No. My first, typically, uh, my breakfast nearly every day is nearly staple in terms of high, fo- high fat, high protein, unless I do some intermittent fasting or time-restricted feeding. But typically, I start the day that way because, as I said, I want to start the day driving that fancy car. But when you ask me there about diets, what do I recommend? I recommend all diets. And back to what I mentioned, the best diet for you is the one that you're not on. Yep. By the time you're doing two weeks of keto, it's probably time to change over. And maybe two weeks of carnivore. And maybe two weeks of being, or a week of being a vegan. And maybe four days of going back to keto. And maybe just three weeks of doing paleo. And then the next week, maybe you're, you're really, really busy with work and you haven't got time to train. So then you do two to three days of the OMAD diet, which is one meal, of day, a, meal a day. Yeah. The main thing is, is you're always changing. If you go and see a family member in hospital and their heart rate monitor is completely flat, what does that mean? Dead. Dead, no longer responding, right? Yeah. So if I'm always eating 100 grams of protein, that's a flat line. If I'm always eating 150 grams of fat, that's a flat line. If I'm always eating 50 grams of carbohydrates, that's a flat line. Yeah. So what I want to see is that they are always it's, changing. Okay. And that also falls into diversity. the calorie bracket, diversity. And that also falls into the calorie bracket. If I'm always doing 2,000 calories every single day, that's stagnation. That is no, I'm no longer gonna respond to that after probably a period of 10 to 14 days. So let's just swing back around to blood sugar, which we talked about. For our listeners, let's kind of finish up on that, but are there any like, takeaways for blood sugar that you can say, okay, to the listener right now, they can go home, they can apply this tomorrow, or they can send us on to a loved one that might you know, have to prioritize their blood mm-hmm. sugar issues? What do you say to them? So first thing I'd say is go to the chemist and ask for a tracker, right? A blood sugar, or blue, uh, blood glucose blue. tracker. Because if you yep. go and say, well, I got my blood glucose done from my doctor two weeks ago and I was fine, that's a snap of that moment, that one moment. That's nothing barred that one moment he'd done your sugar. And usually when you go to the doctor, you're fasted. Fasted, yeah. So, and you've probably been good for two to three so days. If, if that's want... bad, that's... Exactly. So if, if you've gone to the doctor and it's bad, it's probably even worse than he's told you it is. So buy a blood glucose monitor. Maybe get onto Amazon and get them there. About 20 quid. Get the strips and start tracking. You want consistency with your tracking. So you want to be tracking first thing in the morning. Before you leave the house, before you eat, before you have coffee. And you nearly want to see a seven-day average. And you want to start saying, right, you know what? That one was completely different to the, all the other ones. Like I'm four days in there and that one completely changed. Why? Oh, you know, I didn't sleep so well last night. Or, you know, I trained really late last night. That was the only difference. So you want to start saying, right, why is one day different to all the other days? Or why are all the days high? Or why are all the days low? And is so, there any general ranges? Or So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm actually going to go to American units because I'm blank when it comes to European units because okay, okay. myself and yourself have done a lot of our study so, over there. So, so for let, me, I'm looking... Let's keep it simple. So is there any number you should be above or below fasting fasting first thing in the morning on the american scale and if you go into uh, convert it yeah so glucoseconverter.co.uk is a great one it's very efficient 75 to 85 in the morning is where i like to see people i know some people go as low as 70 70 up towards 82 and a half or something like that when you're creeping into the 90s and you're creeping into the 90s and the plus range start being concerned i'm not saying you're unhealthy just be a little bit concerned i think a, a reading of i think it's 117 or 114 fasted three times in a row is pre-diabetes i think personally speaking a little bit lower that from from my experience and then be full-blown kind of type 2 diabetic it's 124 that's american units for europeans that'll look something like i think in the sixes or sevens but we'll we'll, 
you guys can convert that as well. It's not you very easily done. There's charts and everything. But like I was saying, like if, if one day is completely different, you got to look back why, and you always got to be asking your question. And the question isn't the answer isn't always what you think it is because you're going to think right. I've said there your glucose is high first thing in the morning. You're straight away going to think. Well, Hold on, what sugars was I eating? And here's an example of one of my clients. So one of my clients, I gave her one of our tests and I said to her, I want you to give me a seven day average. About two or three days came back really high. And I said, what's going on there? And she says, well, I don't really know, Adam. So I said, well, let's see how you're doing. So we looked anyways, and she was eating steak and broccoli for dinner, right? That's great, isn't it? Very little carbohydrates, very little glucose, um, proteins, fats, right? Anyways, well, what time are you eating at? On oh, 9 p.m., right? What time are you going to bed at? 10 p.m. Well, now we've got an issue. So when we took that steak what? and broccoli out, well, if, first of all, red meat is very hard to digest for the average person, right? Okay. And this particular client that I'm talking about, back when we got her, probably the best results she ever got. <laughs> actually, she not was saying names. Yeah. won't say names, but she was eating in reverse. So she was nearly eating her meat and her vegetables for breakfast and actually eating porridge for dinner, right? And omelets and things like that for dinner that are a little easier to digest. And she got the best results she got then. So when I said to her, look, we need to take that steak out at that time. Why are you eating it so late? I'm waiting for my fiance to get home. Right, okay, what time does he go to bed? I even go to bed at midnight, right? So he has a little bit longer to digest that meal and process that meal. For her, on the other hand, she wasn't digesting that and going straight to bed with that. So therefore, that's sitting in the stomach. One, her sleep is going to be disturbed. Her body temperature is probably going to be elevated for most nights. She's going to toss and turn. Yeah. Your sleep distur- disturbed can impact your blood sugars the next day. But if I'm right, 60%, I think it can impact uh, your blood yeah, sugars. Yeah, not even that one. We think about when there are or like our testosterone our growth hormone our estrogens increase jump through the night but when we have high blood sugar levels exactly we can't do that so we're digesting food rather than resting regenerating exactly so getting our body ready for the next day so and also with something like that it's, it's fermenting and it's staying there her body's not breaking it down at the rate that it should have been breaking it down because the body's trying to slow down and we're right sitting time. still we're not exactly. doing anything so therefore when we took that out and actually implemented oats again her sugars were better the next day and to her, that didn't make sense. It's like, hold on a second, I'm eating oats and I'm waking up with better, faster blood sugars. Easier to digest, much faster. Exactly, or something like an omelet, you know, eggs and things like that. So um, so when we did that, she started getting results again and I was coming close to her wedding day, so she was over the moon. You know, so it, it, it's all individual. So the, the blood sugar tracking isn't only related to blood sugar, it relates to hydration, it's related to sleep quality, it's related to meal timing, maybe eating too late at night. You know, so there's loads of factors to consider, but what I'll say is buy a glucose monitor, or if your coach has one, get a lender one, track about five to seven days average. It's a finger prick. You can do, there's one that you can buy that's called the Freestyle Libre, which is a 14 day blood sugar tracker. It's linked to all modern phones, and that basically tracks your blood sugars every couple of minutes. You just keep putting your phone and it keeps updating, and that'll give you a better, better graph. But if you do a seven day average and your sugars are relatively within the range, well then you probably don't need to invest in that. Most blood sugar meters are cheap, affordable. Completely cheap, yeah. yeah. And that's 70, that's about 65, 70 euro. You can get it online. Um, and that's a 14 day giving you everything that's going on with your blood sugar, pre and post meal, fasted in the morning, during your, during your sleep, etc. So it's giving you a way deeper diet, but what you do want to know is what to do with the information. So we're, I know I'm saying that and I'm recommending to people, but do not buy it and not know what to do with the yeah, answers. Exactly. So have somebody that knows how to interpret the answers. Yeah, and information, information where application is used exactly. as well. So do apply the information. Go to someone that knows about this stuff and is confident that can give you strategies and, and make use yeah. out, of it, out of the information. Well, it's like the, the 23 and me. A lot of people can get online and do it themselves and then they I get back do, all yeah. these stats and they're like, they don't do, uh, uh, what do we do? Exactly. So so is the 23 and me good? Yeah, but you need, you need to know somebody that can interpret it for you. Perfect. So let's just finish up. Uh, is there any way people that are listening can contact you? And I know uh, you're quite busy with the float tank 
But uh, do you want to tell anyone about the flow tank and where they can find information about that? But so something uh, we installed this time last year was it's part of our OSI clinic and it, it was never it was never installed to be a float center or anything like that and it still isn't that which is a year later. So the, the OSI clinic is myself, yourself and own ultimately in um, Malahide. In Malahide down at the marina right across from the gym we kept we kept it separate because we wanted it to be a bit more professional so it's it's very much a nutrition recovery center i guess we can call it so you can book in for nutritional consultations with yourself or myself you can get blood tests and allergy testing etc we have things called the game ready things called the normatex we've got the omega wave which are all things that might be a bit above and beyond for the average person but we have them because we want them and i decided we had a spare room and i thought a flow tank was a great addition so a flow tank for anyone that doesn't know what it is it's basically a sensory deprived room so you don't really have any light you don't know the difference from up and down left to right you've obviously done it so you know what i'm talking <laughs> yeah. about you nearly uh, i've never been in space but I, it, it's what i can imagine space would probably feel like and um, it's brought the water temperature is 33.7 degrees which is the temperature of your your core so ultimately you don't really feel cold or warmth um, salt in it as well. There's 500, 480 kilos of salt in it and around 800 liters of water. So and these salts are magnesium essentially. Magnesium so it's 55 percent magnesium sulfate. So and the water, the density of the water is what makes you float. So when you typically stand in and anything like that, you will hit the bottom. When you sit in, you will hit the bottom. It's only when you lie back, your whole body surfaces. And as I said, you you think you're spinning to the right and then you hit the left. So you hit the left <laughs> wall or something like that. And you think, how did that happen? But Ultimately, if you've never done it, there's other ways that you what can do it. What are some of the benefits of it for some of the listeners that I've never heard of a so, flotation? Obviously, you can absorb magnesium dermatologically through the skin. Yep. So that's one That's one of very few things. For people with anxiety or depression, it kind of just takes you out of the world. It gives you clarity. So for uh, Joe Rogan is a big man on one. He's actually got one in his studio. His house, yeah, as well. and he's, like I've listened to some of the things he said on him. He does two hours, three to four times a week. You know, And he uses that to make his business decisions. Because, again, you're taken away from everything else. You've no phone. You've got no, you've no, no external stress. Nothing you've at all. You've got no sensory input. It's soundproof. It's, as I said, it's Sound complete no light. light. So you're, you're there to make decisions. Ultimately, you can get in it if you're an athlete. You can get in it to kind of speed up recovery. It fully decompresses your lower back. So it's probably the only thing that's kind of getting traction while lying there doing uh, nothing. And usually, correct me if I'm wrong, but sessions are roughly 60 minutes. And I've done 60 minute sessions in it. And it's like fucking sleeping six to eight yeah. hours. You feel amazing after. You feel super refreshed. I've, I've sometimes done it after workouts and then gone and train clients again, but you feel fantastic. But where can people find out how to bulk in or find out more information about that? Well, just on that, before I go into it, like, I've done them in the mornings and I've done them in the evenings. And in the evenings, they can help wind you down and in the mornings, they can help charge you up. So there's no, there's no right time to do it. It all depends on who you are. What I would say is if somebody says they're not a morning person, I would try it in the morning. Or try it in the evening and see does it improve their morning yeah. wake-up routine. But if you try it in the morning, I've done it and I've been so kind of neurologically ready for the day i'm just like it's like I, you ever see that program limitless it's like i'm seeing things that are going so on around going me on. So i'm taking everything in and i'm absorbing it way slower than it's actually happening which is great and um, but how can you find out more information it's called flotationtherapyireland.com the website's up and going it's still going under a little bit of maintenance the booking site is also linked to that some of the benefits is also linked to that what's the instagram um, page the instagram yeah. page is oh yeah, ooh, float malahide float underscore malahide and um, then you can book, I'm sure there's like a, a there's link There's a booking on link on well. that also, yeah. And then also there's another booking link on the OSI Instagram page through the Linktree account. So there's loads of different ways. Ultimately, if you want any more questions on it that's not answered on the website, you can send an inquiry or you can just message the flow yeah, page. So either, either message the flow page or contact me directly with Robbie underscore health underscore focus. And we're going to have Adam on again as well. So if any of the listeners out there want a particular topic talked to, or we can even do a whole 
topic on uh, flotation therapy and the benefits of that, but we, we can talk about that later down the line. Yeah. So Adam, just for closing remarks, if people want to contact you other than the float uh, therapy page, is there any way of contacting you? Yeah, so like I, the I, grid. I typically, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty busy at the moment, but I am, like I, I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody. Best way to contact me is adam.isi.pt at gmail.com. Um, or you can contact through the OSI Instagram page and just direct it to me, which yeah. Adam Ward, because um, there's a couple of us that and answer the messages And the OSI page is at OSI Health on Instagram. Other than that, um, I'm not giving out phone numbers, unfortunately. No, no, no. Um, that's later in the date. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if you have any questions, don't be afraid. And that could be on flow therapy, it could be on blood sugar management, it could be on you know, the do's and the don'ts. If you're only starting off in the industry, what direction to go in, you name it, we can talk about it. And lastly, we, we even forgot to mention, uh, myself and Adam kind of collaborated with the OSI and we're, we're doing an apprenticeship program. So by the time this one, this podcast goes live, we have already launched one of our live apprenticeship programs, which is a six-month apprenticeship program where trainers that are already in the industry that are just looking to upskill themselves will attend our apprenticeship, which is one Sunday a month on mm-hmm. six different modules from program design, nutrition, energy systems training, rest and recovery methods, assessments and evaluations. Would you want to share a bit about that as well? Because what we're hoping to do is we're going to either hope to have another live one coming out by the end of the year or possibly even there might be some sort of social media or online yeah. presence for this. We're so obviously say. at the moment we're just wrapping up number one and we're, we're starting number two which is the live where people are actually coming to the gym itself and what we've obviously learned even just from the, doing the first one is that it is a lot to ask people from the UK or people from further down south, further up north to travel down that often. So myself and Robbie have discussed about potentially putting it online and making it an online module. It will be later in the year, probably closer to the latter part of the summer, um, but it will be accessible for anyone that's interested. Obviously it delves into something like program design, a small amount of nutrition, but pretty much putting together your plan when you've got a client winner. And we try and focus a good bit on fat loss as well because I do think 80% of the population out there that's gonna pay you the price for personal training, it is fat loss based. Um, and when we developed the content for this, my vision and Adam's vision was to show the OSI, not even the OSI, the Adam and the Robbie approach to how we delve into nutrition, training, energy with our clients. It's not the only approach, it's just one no. approach. So if people kinda of wanna see how we approach things because you'd be very surprised about the, how we approach nutrition and evaluation with our clients but again this apprenticeship goes into everything um, all about that so anything yeah. else you want to share you want yeah to like uh, just on the assessment and evaluation and kind of what you said you'd be surprised about how we target things with something like that when you think about another thing uh, dr serrano's always said and i've heard this even being a kid two ears one mouth so what do you mostly do when a client comes in listen, listen yeah listen and they'll sometimes tell you the answers well i've you been know. guilty of talking too much now, yeah and that's something thinking. that we've learned and that's if you go back to if i have to delve deeper into about myself sometimes i'm quick to, too quick to tell them what i know but sometimes that doesn't matter sometimes i just have to listen to what they have to say and, and then the, the answers are in front of you straight away so but anyways that's that's it for another date but ultimately that our, our next one will probably be started by the time this goes live but six different months and like I, I asked you what would you value this course at and we're doing it at a price that we would we would be happy to pay three times the amount for what we're doing it for. Yeah. So we started off doing it, we put the, probably together the best manuals that have ever been done by, by the OSI and us personally, um, and they're filling up and they look great. And, and you know, it's actually, the, it's probably the most affordable course we've ever done. Completely, like. completely. So, yeah. With the most amount of access, like, you know, you've got six months of access. That's what people aren't noticing. You know, whereas with our fat loss courses, they are phenomenal, they are unbelievable. They're really you got courses. your two to three days and then what? You know, whereas this is like, do you know, I actually have a question on the last module. And then the last module is all, the very, very last module is all about joining all five modules together in conjunction to some recovery methods, but joining everything together, which means the more questions they can have. 
Perfect. So we'll leave with that, Adam. So thanks for having me on. No problem. I'll be happy to be back. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, I'd be so, so grateful if you could hop over to Apple, Spotify, or even YouTube and just give me a five-star rating, like, and subscribe. And we're going to be coming out with much more content in the future. Cheers, guys.